Welcome into the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Overtime coming at you for the next two hours right here on Fan Run Radio. Jake Miller alongside Davis Rangy, producer Matthew, intern Bryson. Tennessee basketball takes the L. Again. Whoa. And can we just point out the obvious? What? Our free throw shooting. We were 4 of 14 from the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, that's inexcusable. It's not going to change. I mean, and, no. you, can, like, like, you can lock them in a gym for make till they leave and make 500 free throws, but it's not going to help because you don't have shooters on this team. It's just the way it is. Same thing with the Grizzlies. They're, one of the, they're the worst free throw shooting team in the league. You want to know why? Because you have no shooters. That's it. It's the whole thing. You don't have any shooters on this team. No. And, you know, my big thing a few – actually, this has probably been about a month ago or so – but my big thing was missing layups because we were missing layups at the time. And that's the second easiest shot in basketball because that square is there on the goal for a reason. The free throw is the easiest shot in basketball. They literally call it a free throw because it should be a free basket. I mean, like we said all season, we don't have a guide in Gugadru bucket. And that was pretty. Pretty obvious on Saturday. My blind and deaf grandmother could have made a free throw on Saturday, man. Yep. I mean, well, the part of the problem is Kentucky shot 35 free throws and you shot 14, but you don't ever really attack the rim. I got to give credit to Meshack and, I guess, Santi. For... He went 16-8. and eight. You can't put any of the blame on Meshack. Meshack went one for five from the free throw line, but at least he was trying. Like, he was going to the basket hard and giving his all Saturday night, but – Rest of the team, man. I'm, it's just the free throw shooting is not going to change between well, now. Even and Even if you take out his free throws, you're still shooting. If you take 40%. out, if you take out Mayshack's free throws, you're, you're going two for six, three for eight, um, three for nine. Yeah, you're three for nine yeah, without Mayshack. So I mean, Viscovi had eighteen. Or what he had eighteen in the second half. Or? Seventeen. Seventeen in the second half, and Mayshack had sixteen and eight, and the rest of the team contributed twenty-one points. It's uh, I That's mean, awful. right off the rip, and I don't know if y'all watched like from the very first second of the game. I did, and then I had I turned it off because it was my eyes were literally bleeding. But from the first tip off, from the tip off, they we forced Sheway to shoot a dumb shot mid range. He missed it. We go down the floor. Ziegler's wide open on the left wing, right in front of Kentucky's bench. He hesitates, doesn't shoot it. Puts it back out. I'm like, that's that's what I knew. I was like, right there. I was like, yep. But to have another one of those offensive games where we're just boring and lethargic, lethargic and second-guessing everything. It's terrible, man. Complete well, opposite of Bama. Well, and there's a reason why we're second-guessing things, and we all know why we're second-guessing things. But let me ask you all this, and I want all the listeners to chime in as well on this. In football, when things go bad, who is the first person that we blame? Josh Heupel. Heupel, yeah. And before Heupel, who was it? Pruitt. And so why Butch. do we not carry that same energy over for basketball? In basketball, it's, well... Rick Barnes isn't out there shooting the free throws. Well, Rick Barnes isn't the one taking the three-pointers. Well, Rick Barnes isn't the one out there playing defense. I'm like, okay, who's the coach? Who's facilitating all this? Who's designing and scheming everything up in practice? It all comes back down to coaching. Whatever way you're going to look at it. Okay, Rick Barnes is not out there missing free throws. Rick Barnes is not out there missing shots. Well, guess what? Who recruits these guys? Rick Barnes. Who recruits them and who's trying to develop them? You haven't recruited them. anybody worth a damn on offense since Grant and Admiral. I really think you luck. You didn't even recruit Admiral. No, uh, he, Donnie he was Donnie Tindall signing. I think you really re- lucked into Grant. Um, but, I mean, come on, man. It's just, it all comes back to one person. And we got to have the same stand. If you want the same thing, I know we're a football school. Football's the main thing here. But if you're just okay and you're complacent with basketball, keep the same energy and just have fun flaming out every year like we're doing now because 
I mean, we got to have a different attitude, man. It's time to move up. It's time to go up the chain a little bit. Time to be some damn aggressive about basketball and get something worth the crap. Well, and here's something else to think about, guys, is the fact that, you know, you can't do anything with Rick Barnes right now. With the state of college basketball the way it is, the transfer portal, NIL, if you get rid of him, what do you do? I'm you really, have to get somebody that can come in and just build a team for one year, year in and year out. I'm really surprised he honestly hasn't retired on his own at this point. I mean, you look at Roy Williams, Coach K, like all the old school coaches, Jay Wright. They're we, getting sick of it. That we, Yeah, that we grew up watching, especially with the NIL and transfer era. They've had enough. They're at home chilling with the grandkids and the wife and doing the dog, doing whatever, playing golf. Like I'm surprised he hasn't taken that route yet. He's 70 years old. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. I don't care come at me but i think it's time for him to retire especially on the uh, track you're on now if it flames out in march round of 64 round of 32 exit it's time for a change it's good for both sides i i think it's time for it man. and i don't think there's any ill will towards the guy no i, I hold on Cal. i i appreciate what he's done i'm not saying that i think he's a bad coach or anything i appreciate what he's done for this program i appreciate him building us to what we are today he came in and we were at, at scraps and he's built us into a very good program but i think he's reached his peak here i think it's time to move on and go get a big guy. You need to take that chance. See what you can do. I mean, let's just be honest. It's kind of pathetic when you talk about this, man. Mediocrity is not what we want. We all four in the studio with the team to win. We're all pissed off about the win. We're not going to sit here and loss. Uh, whatever, loss, whatever it is, and be happy that we lost. We're all pissed about it. And it's very pathetic when you look at the offensive side of basketball because it all comes back to coaching like we've all said all year. You don't have a guy that can go get your basket. You thought it would be Jordan Phillips? Well, he's injured and can't get a basket to save his life. Viscovi doesn't shoot the ball. Josiah Jordan James is an All-American five, so he should have left four years ago. So oh. guy Ziegler does – I don't know what he does. Euros, what does he do? <laughs> what do these guys do genuinely? Tell me one guy on this team that moves the needle even in a millimeter for you. I can't. I don't know if I, don't know if I can agree with that, bro. Like Z, Ziegler, I love Ziegler. I think he's – he would be very, very good, like one of the best in the country coming off the bench, like in the role he was last year. I just don't think he's a good role this year. I think he's, I think he's been overplayed. I think you're asking too much of him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's been overplayed. I, I don't really have anything to say other than what Davis already said. I'm still extremely upset about it, and I don't know why because, as Philly said last week, nothing that could happen on Saturday will surprise me. And I wasn't also uh, surprised. I'm, I'm just still extremely upset, and I'm – Y'all have said it all. I don't want to keep going on. We're just tired of it. Okay, it's just like it's like apathy. You know, we expect to lose at this point. We're like, oh, we lost Kentucky. Uh, we kind of saw it coming. Like, no, like grow a pair and be okay. We, and this is not okay. It's not all right. Just expect to lose. But when are you going to take that damn chance and go out and hire somebody else? Another guy that's got the answer to that. Let's get him in here. Phil will be our first caller. What do you say, Philly? Jake the Snake. Philly. Are you in the four horsemen done? Well, Phil, we're not doing too good right now. We'll be honest with you. Well, I appreciate that quote. Uh, was it Bryson had that? That's pretty, about me. That's pretty cool. Well, that's why we love you, Phil. Well, I mean, three o'clock. Tried to read me after I called in. I now I come here and get respect and plenty of air time and don't take long to get on the air. I mean, it's it's a completely one eighty. You know what I mean? Way she goes, Phil. I make the rules on this show. <laughs> Uh, y'all pretty much summed it all. Uh, you left Conway out though. Uh, he's horrible too. I mean, <laughs> I think I think that's pretty much a given at this point. 
Man, all I see, though, Mayshack is the only player on the team that's making progress, and if he could hit a foul shot, he, he'd be more valuable. I really, I think May, I've come to really like Mayshack. I mean, since he's got more playing time, especially since, I mean, this is only his second game, Phil, where he's played major playing time. You can already see the growth. I mean, it's. When he's trying. I mean, that's the thing is he cares. He's, he's actually out there all. giving an effort. Giving his all, yes. Well, BJ Edwards, he looked pretty cool about a minute and a half, didn't he? <laughs> well, a minute and a half, we saw him. Then he goes over and uh, rings it out, and they put Key back in there, and Key gets abused, and then, you know, he drives in the middle of the. The foul lane, and, and then throws it back out. That's all he ever does. He can't go in there and shoot it. He's not big. He's not athletic enough to get a shot off. Would it be? Would it be wise to just go out and recruit some size? Uh, what position? I mean, Every size. Like get you a six foot eleven to seven foot center. Get you a power forward about six nine six ten. Do not get a three any smaller than six seven. Shooting guard six foot six and point guard six and above. I want a bunch of big wings. I want a big man that's seven feet foot, like Jake said, with some actual skill. We have a seven foot big man, but no skill. No skill. It's a giraffe. You have Kumwa, who's the most inconsistent player I've probably ever seen. Um, yeah, really. I, to win big time, you need big wings. And you need a big time point guard. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, you need some big people to put the ball in the hole, and uh, this team is devoid of that. Uh, I mean, Vescovo's your best shooter, but he's injured, and uh, everybody's putting their best defender on him, and it just uh, is what it is. Yeah, and you can't play that way, Phil. I mean, right now we're fourth in the SEC, and the two teams that are behind us, Vanderbilt's one of them, and you got Arkansas and Auburn sitting right there as well. And then you got a tough matchup this week against Texas A&M. And they, I mean, Phil, they're the second-best team in the SEC right now. I think they're 12-2 and two in conference, number 25 in the country. They finally snuck in to the top 25. Um, that really worries me. Realistically, guys, you could drop as low as ninth in the conference. Yeah, pretty impressive. If we, if we lose the we next We could go all four. I mean, not, I mean, it's not without the realm of thinking here. You know what I'm saying? That's what's so scary about it is it's not out of the realm of possibility. The fact that you could, I think – I think one and three should be the worst that we do. The, the, the floor. Yeah. Well, Arkansas here is going to be a tough game. Uh, and, of course, you got Butt Pearl and, uh, of course, A&M. Good Lord. It's uh, – I hope what happens, though, I hope we lose the first round of the SEC tournament and give us more time to get our legs ready for the NCAA tournament. Because all, all, all I care about – is doing something in the NCAA. I don't want to go going and lose that first game in the NCAA tournament like we did when Oregon State kicked her butt. And that was an inexcusable loss. And really, Michigan last year was an inexcusable loss. I mean, we were a better team. They just had Hunter Dickinson that just absolutely ate our lunch all game because he's a dominant big man. It's a terrible, terrible matchup. Michigan, uh, I mean, that was a really good 11 seed, but they caught pace right at the right time. So. Yeah, and Tennessee was a hot team going into the NCAA. This team is is folding. Uh, it's uh, run out. It's run out of gas, and, and, and uh, you know we're not getting any petrol. You know Joe Biden's affecting our basketball program. <laughs> well, and, and I hate it too, Phil, because I mean when you start talking about Rick Barnes, and we talk about who we could get to replace him, the first thing that I think of is what Will Wade said. It's like, I won't go back to an established program because I know 
what it's going to take to actually maintain a job at an established program. And I don't know really who you go get that can keep that fire up. I mean, Chris Beard, you go get him. I mean, he's been cleared of all the charges. Yeah, you Google his name and that's going to pop up. But at the same time, the guy knows how to win. Got to do some PR yeah. work. but the, the guy has made it to the – Exactly. He's, he's made it to the National finals. championship. Yeah, he Texas made it to the national Tech. championship game. Yep. Well, Tennessee's too pure to do that, though. You know they won't do it. That's just like so, a travesty thing. I, hell, I'd, uh, I'd try to get Buck Pearl back. He's probably still got another run left in him to come here. Wouldn't you think? I love the man, Phil. He made me fall in love with Tennessee basketball. Other than that, it was, uh, okay, this is just something to do. Yeah, and uh, Will Wade, uh, he knows how to cheat. And really, it's getting down to what it's all about, getting ball players. I also think there's going to be a bunch of guys that we're not even talking about right now that if the job does come open for whatever reason in March, that they'll be talking to their agents. Like, they'll want this job. I think it's a much more desirable job definitely now than it was when Rick Barnes got here. And the thing is, we don't have a timetable on when Rick Barnes is planning on hanging it up. No. I mean, it could be an issue or – a situation like Jay Wright, where he just out of the blue decided, yeah. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, Jay Wright must have seen what his roster is going to be like for this year, and that's the reason he got the heck out of Dodge, plus uh, this NIL coming around, and he probably don't like to deal with it. No. No, I don't. I mean, we talked about Jay Wright before. He runs a boring offense, too, but he's won in March. He's got a national championship. Yeah, he sure has. And uh, Rick Barnes has. Number one. I think he has two. two right. I think he's got two. He got two okay, yeah. two, but yeah, two. much Rick, more than Rick. Yep. Rick Barnes got one sweet sixteen in four years, in six fourteen years, right? Uh, Rick Barnes got a Final Four and a Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen here. Did he have? I think he had one at Texas I, as well. I will find the last he went, time he went to the Sweet Sixteen. He had a pretty good eight. record his first uh, his first uh, half of his tenure at Texas, but then you know Texas kind of looks like what we're doing right now. It's good. Uh, the gasket's busted and it's leaking. You know what I'm saying? One, two. Yep, spilling oil out all over the highway. So, Phil, his last eight years at Texas, the farthest he got was the round of 32. <laughs> Conzo Martin at least made one sweet 16. I'll say one thing. I'm, I'm tired. Ty- I'll say it again. I am tired of Rick Barnes. That offense is awful. It makes Jimmy Pruitt look good. <laughs> Appreciate the phone call, Phil. Let's keep it rolling. Fake Bob is next. What do you say, Fake Bob? How you doing, fellas? Good. So, um, I'm going to kind of hold everybody accountable for that game. I'm. I was all right and calmed down until, like, I heard today Rick Barnes say something along the lines of he felt like his team wasn't locked in Saturday. Okay, I didn't know that. I'm glad, but I'm mad that you brought it up because that's the one thing that I cannot stand, throwing your team under the bus. Well, that's his fault. I can't stand it. So you're supposed to have your team, especially against your arch rival, for two, two straight times they've kicked your butt here and there. Yeah, whose job is it to get them mentally prepared? And they've come, they have, they've come out flat. All right, I guess they didn't really come out flat the first time here, but you let them come in here and push you around. But hey, Rick Barnes is the one shooting the shots and playing defense. Yeah, like it blew my mind when I heard that today. Like that, like this got under my skin because it's like it falls on you and your coaching staff first, and then after that, it falls on your senior leaders because. And pregame and stuff, 
you're going up to Kentucky. Either I don't care what basketball team you you you've played for. When you go up there, you you have to have energy. You know, for one, you're going to be facing that crowd. They they were going to need another win against us to get in a tournament. We basically punched that ticket for them. Yep. And one, one then win. like, and then another thing that frustrated me is they were some of the guys on the team were so quick Wednesday night to clap back at some fans for talking smack throughout the week, and after that win, they clapped back about them a little bit. And it's just like, stay off social media. You you know that when things are going bad, people are going to say stuff bad stuff about you. So it's just like, why why even put yourself in that position? Well, and then, think tough guys. Well, think and then you got guys. the argument too. Like everyone's like, well, they're just kids. They're just kids. Guess what? They're getting paid now. They're they're yeah. not amateur athletes anymore. And they're not. Just, they know what they're doing. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Like this isn't some fifteen year old. No. Or almost grown men. They're the same then, age as us. Like I said, they clap back and then come back with that that kind of performance. It's like if you're going to at least talk smack and stuff, back it up. And then the whole situation with Euros telling Sheboy he was his daddy. <laughs> Euros don't need to be telling anybody he's anybody's daddy. And baby daddy that said guy. that too. Oh no. Did you not see that quote? I um, saw it. Oh, yeah, it's just very cringy, man. Yeah, I don't know what U.S. is doing, man. No reason for them to ever speak on the basketball court. Oh, and uh, Faye, Faye Bob, I want to mention something real quick. So during the football game during Kentucky this year, when we brought the SEC championship, the one person who was going over there and taunting everybody with the Kentucky section was Euros. And since that, and so we've gone 0-2. Kentucky's kicked our butt both times. They don't back it up. They yeah, don't back the talk up. And I, I, I just don't know. Like I just don't understand, and – have you ever seen a group of big men miss so many shots at the rim no. that we do? We have this season. I've not. I'll, I'll be honest. I have not. Y'all want a funny stat real quick? Please. Uh, Kentucky is two and seven in quad one. We're both are quad one wins. Shocker! That's amazing. There it is. There it is. <sighs> They're not good either. This is like a, a mid Kentucky team. It's probably the worst Kentucky team I've seen. Nah, COVID year. I, yeah, but that doesn't count. Like, I, obviously, we got ourselves in a big hole and got down by 20, but the thing I re- really knew it was over was there in the second half. I don't know who was on the court with a walk. I don't know the other big man, but I remember one of them drove to the basket, threw it up, and a walker comes over for the backside rebound. He misses a point bike layup. It goes back to uh, – it might have been Euros or Euros. Dude, one of them. It was Euros. It was Euros. I remember yeah, and he missed it. And yeah. then the Walker misses again. Kentucky gets it, comes down and drinks a three. I think. Yeah, I remember this play exactly. It's four missile apps and a three. I think by Reeves or somebody. Probably Reeves. Yeah. And so that I just knew it was over. And then like we never got closer than nine. It seemed like every time we got to nine, there was like a three minute stretch where we would get it to nine, and there would be some absolutely horrendous call. That would put them on a free throw line or something like that, and that I don't know, but I, it was just pathetic. I think any college athlete is they have to be shooting at least seventy percent from the foul line. And at one point during the second half Saturday, we had three guys on the court that shot under fifty percent from the foul line. Did we go? Did we not make a free throw the whole second half? Yeah, and I think we were in the bonus with like. 
10 minutes left, 11 minutes left, I think. Doing the bo- yeah, us and the bonus does us no good. Usually the teams, that's a good sign. With us, that's going to death warrant. Well, they, like, I'm not saying much right now just because I, I really don't know what to say to that. I, I really don't. Like, that's just pathetic basketball. It's, so I, it's middle school stuff, dude. I mean, we were – you know what would happen if we shot less than 70% in a middle school game? We were running, and we were running, and we were running, and we kept on running. And it would be different if they were just rimming out or something. Half these free throws, they're not even close. I mean, watching you, watching you shoot free throws, I, I mean, you might as well just turn your back because you know it's a miss. I remember that Texas game, he airballed the first one. Yep. It wasn't even, like, remotely close. I didn't think it hit the net. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it did. Like, it's to the point that it, it's just so sad. Like, when we go to the line, you're just begging for them to at least hit one. Like, you're like, you just got to hit one out of these two. I mean, and, at, at least during at least during the Missouri game, I know I know we lost that game, but down the stretch, Meshack went to the free throw line. I think it was like, what, three minutes left maybe? He had a one-and-one. One. Even he went down there. He made his two free throws. He banked the first one in, but he made it. Like, that's – he has a – I don't know, man. I'm really starting to like Meshack. He Is might he be that my dog? favorite guy. He might be my favorite guy on this team now. Yeah. Well, and that's what I, I was going to end my call on a positive. He is our, about our only positive from Saturday, and I just hope Rick Barnes don't do the thing where when Josiah and Phillips comes back, he just kind of puts Meshack's minutes way back down. I, I, I feel like Meshack has earned his minutes, he's and I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate the phone call, fake Bob. Yeah, Jemai Meshack, I mean, he might be that dog. He might be that guy. And and you know what's really bad about – I think probably the worst thing about Saturday is that you finally thought that you had a little groove with this lineup going from the second half of Missouri to the Alabama game. That was some of the best ball you played all year. And then you throw up a dud like that Saturday. Now Rick Barnes is for sure going to throw Josiah and Julian Phillips back right, in the yep. fold. And that's going to mess – we still don't have an identity. We don't even know a lineup that works, and we're – we have four games left in the regular season. It's February the 20th. This is something that you should figure out by December the 20th. <laughs> August the 20th. Like, nah. But, I mean, we, we don't have a lineup still. No. I mean, what, it's going to be Zakai, Viscovi. We have no identity on offense at all. No. You know, it's going to be the original five. Uh, Zakai, Viscovi, Phillips, Phillips Triple J, and, and Olivier. Yep. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio. A couple notes of interest now that we have got our basketball talk out. The baseball team goes 1-2 and two this weekend. And it's weird because we're you know doing the thing with the basketball team where it's like you know we're all upset and everything. But it's also important to understand that baseball is a weird sport. Baseball is a very weird sport. And you drop games like that. And you got a team that does not have a Drew Gilbert. They don't have a Jordan Beck, Evan Russell, Luke Lipschitz. Pitching, I will say, was great this weekend. A couple things we need to tidy up there. But, you know, we only drop one spot in the rankings, get back home, hit BP, and just tune some things out. Gel together as a team. Go hang out with each other. Like, learn how to play with each other. So, I mean, I'm not 
going to cast any judgment on the team yet. I mean, it's basically a brand new team compared to last year. Yeah, I mean, it's a what like a fifty game season. More than that. More than yeah, that. You like, got yeah. you got a ton of games, man. You can't overreact after three games, and like you got to give us credit for at least going out there and playing some comp because like Ole Miss played like the school for deaf and blind this weekend. <laughs> Delaware. Yeah. Like we actually went out there and tried to get some comp. Like Arizona's a good team. Uh, Grand Canyon's a decent team. They've got two D one prospects. Yeah, it San- or not D one, but uh, MLB. Was it UC San Diego yesterday? Yeah, yeah. That you just demolished, but yeah. I mean, it's good to end the weekend on the right note. But yeah, there's no reason to freak out, honestly. And I'm not even gonna sit up here and act like I'm a baseball. Like I'm a baseball casual. I admit it. But I mean, I'm not freaking out. There's no, no reason to get mad at Tony Vitello. At all, none at all, man. You actually he has calm. gained your trust so far. I yep. would say. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's gonna find a lineup. Well, I mean, there were teams like when Serrano was here. I mean, they would start the season out eighteen and two, and then not even make the postseason. Yeah, like that's that's how weird baseball is. And of course, my favorite sport, NASCAR. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the pride of Olive Branch, Mississippi, has won the Daytona Five Hundred. Matthew Bryson, you all were inches away from being right on your Daytona Five Hundred pick. Yep, a mean, mere inches. Yep, NASCAR casual up here, and I picked Joey Logano, so I guess I'll make NASCAR bets at this point. I guess we have to believe the technology, but I still think we were robbed, Matthew. I mean, you were robbed of a good finish is what you were yeah, robbed of. they need to get rid of the green-white checker at all super speedways at least. Well, I mean, if anything, at the super speedways, there's no need to throw the yellow unless the wreck is right at the start-finish line. There's no reason to throw a yellow on the final lap of any super speedway race. We were robbed of a lot, that's for sure. I think there was a lot of race to be had there. So, well, I mean, it could have been anybody there at exactly. the end. I'll tell you how I was feeling. Harrison Burton leading the race with about 12 to go. I was getting a little excited. I thought I was about to make a little bit of money. Hey, guys, watch out. Euros Plavage deleted all his Instagram posts and then just posted one two hours ago saying, the devil smiled when I put my head down. Then I looked up and said, amen. The picture of him mean mugging. <laughs> Watch out, world. Watch out. Euros is out. Get me to the big orange Phillies phone lines. Jordan, say something before I do. How's it going, guys? Good, man. I don't think I've ever been as heartbroken or disappointed after a Daytona 500 as I was yesterday at the end of that race. Yeah, that was um, that was interesting, man, just because it was, I don't know, I feel like we were robbed of a good finish. And two, I mean, we were robbed of all the TV time. I felt like every five minutes they were going to commercial. Yeah, yeah, definitely at the at the beginning of the, in the mid part of the race, it was, you look up, they'd run two laps commercial. Look up, run two laps commercial. Um, I, I thought Kyle Busch had it. And uh, like I said on Friday, he has a good, a good plate teammate now in Austin Dillon. Austin stayed in the back pretty much the whole race, just riding around, waiting for the chaos to be over with before he made his move to the front. And uh, him and Kyle got connected together. And I think I think Kyle made the move one lap too soon. And uh, I think it cost him. He should have waited. To me, in that situation, I'm making up. I'm third or fourth with somebody pushing me. I'm making the move coming to the white flag off turn four. That way, if you pass the leader coming to the line and then the caution comes out, the race is over. So I feel like Kyle made the move one lap too soon. And I thought we were going to get a one-two finish for RCR. Kyle was going to get, uh, get his first 500 win, and uh, got my heart ripped out on that one. So, and then there at the end too, uh, when the wreck happened, Kyle got collected in that, or he uh, got a top five. So it was it was pretty heartbreaking yesterday for me. That it was, and you know, I 
think I told you I'd sprinkled around some money. I actually took your advice and uh, threw a little bit on Almirola. And, you know, all these guys that I'd bet on, with the exception of like one or two, they were right there at the end. Yeah. Yeah, Almirola there for a little while looked like he was going to win it too. He was up front. Uh, I think he might have led a few laps. I got up Sunday morning and I went and looked at the odds again. And uh, I went to the very bottom because these plate tracks, you never know what's going to happen. So I went to the very bottom and I, I said, okay. Who might have a chance, at, you know, to win this? Obviously, the B.J. McClouds and the Pastrana of the world, they're not going to. But sometimes you can get some good odds there at the bottom. So I threw a couple of dollars. I threw like a dollar each on uh, Todd Gilliland, uh, Ricky Stinkhouse. So I ended up winning 40 bucks off that. So I, I threw a dollar on a couple of guys and ended up coming out with Ricky Stinkhouse. So it wasn't a complete loss for me. I, I did win a little bit of money. Yeah, and another one to think about, too, is, you know, I told you I took Harrison Burton at you know, plus 7,500. Well, by the time the race had started on another service, it had dropped to plus five thousand. I'm just like, oh, okay, did it? Yeah. Did it at the right time? Yeah, you can get you can get some pretty good odds on, on some of those guys at, at play track. That's that's when you could do some really good betting in that situation. Uh, so let's talk about the game on Saturday for a few minutes before I have to get off here. Um, I want to go back to the phone call that I made about two weeks ago. I think it was after the Missouri game when we, we talked about the second half and how we opened up the offense in the second half. So let's go back to this Kentucky game, and let's look at the differences in the first half and the second half. And in the second half, and I listened to three and out this morning, I'm going to give them a plug, and Nate a plug. Nate does a really, really good job breaking down basketball and breaking down our offense. And it was a really, really good show this morning with him breaking down what was going on. And in the second half, we went to a dribble-drive offense that features your guards. That's what it's all about. And, you know, our guards started playing. They started flowing. We started scoring points. We started making a comeback. The strength of this basketball team is the guard play. That's where you have numbers. That's where your strength is at. That's where your talent is at. But Rick, as I said two weeks ago, is hell-bent on throwing the ball in the post and running his offense through his post players. It worked when you had Grant and Admiral. It worked. Grant made it look great. And Kyle Alexander. And Kyle Alexander. Now, granted, Grant was a two-time SEC player of the year. He's an NBA player. We haven't recruited another guy that we should be running our offense through in the post. He doesn't – he's trying to put a square peg into a round hole ever since Grant and Admiral graduated and walked, walked off that campus. He hasn't had anybody in the post that deserves to get the ball in crunch time or deserves to have the offense be ran through him. It's why one, one of the big, uh, biggest reasons why we were so inconsistent on the offense and at the floor because our posts are so inconsistent. And Olivier, we've been trying to make him that guy for three or four years. He's never going to be that guy. It's never going to happen. Euros doesn't have the ability to be that guy. And, you know, Adu may have a, a potential to, to turn into a, a pretty solid player, but he's never going to be an, an, you know, an offensive force on the inside. He's a really, really good defensive player. We need to, to – feature our guards and have and, and use our guards as our offense, which is why in the second half against Missouri we had an offensive explosion, which is why against Kentucky on Saturday our offense looked better and we were able to get to the bucket easier. You go back and just look at that the second half, we spaced the floor out. We had our guards driving the basketball and getting to the rim. If they couldn't get to the rim, they were kicking it back out. Then our shooters, once you kick it back out, had space to get a shot off and get better looks. You know, go back to two years ago when we had Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer and think about that team. We had John Fulkerson, 
uh, and Anasiki that transferred in, and we were still trying to force our offense through our post players when you had two five-star studs at guard with one of them end up being a lottery pick. Yeah, I mean, he, that's he, that's what's so frustrating about all this, man, is the fact that the talent is there on the with the guards. I mean, and it's not just this year. You know, it was last year with Kennedy Chandler, and like you just mentioned, with Keon and Jaden. I just it's so frustrating, man, because we don't have a Grant Williams down there. We don't have, you know, a Kyle Alexander. Obviously, this might be before some of y'all's time, but Wayne Chisholm, guys like yeah. that, Major Wingate. You could force feed those guys and they could get you a bucket. We don't have yep. a guy like that right now. And that's that's a great point about the dribble drive in the second half. I mean, we almost doubled our scoring output from the first second half. We had 19 the first and 35 in the second. It's just I don't know why he's so hard-headed and just wants to keep feeding it down low, down low like you said. It's just you got to adapt at some point. It it's it's kind of it's just one of those to me you you see it in football a lot, but it's just kind of one of those old school mentalities. Of yep. uh, this is who I am. This is how I am. This is the way I coach. This is my philosophy, and I'm going to ride to the end with it. And that's what he's to me. That's what he's doing on the offensive side of the basketball. Everything else with the program, and everything like everything his coaching philosophy with everything else across the program is an A plus. His program building, his team chemistry, the type of players that he recruits, the way they play, how they play hard, they, you know, and the way they play on defense. Everything else is A plus across the board except for the offensive side of the basketball. And, you know, I've been saying for weeks now, and I, and I get a lot of crap on Twitter about it, that we're going to be out in the first weekend. This, this team has an extremely high ceiling and extremely low floor. You just don't know what you're going to get on a game-to-game basis. This team could show up in the NCAA tournament and play defense the way they've been playing defense pretty much throughout the entire year. And they could play pretty good offense, and I could carry them to a Sweet 16. Or they could show up in the first round and play offense the way that we saw in the Kentucky game and you know, in the, the Auburn game and play good defense and they'll get knocked out in the first or second round. You just don't know which team you're going to get on a, on a game-to-game basis because of how inconsistent they are on the offensive side of the floor, which is, to me, you know, why they're going to get knocked out so early in the NCAA tournament. I 100% agree with that. I mean, we just not – you can't show up in the first round of the NCAA tournament and expect to just play stellar defense and not be able to get anything going on the offensive side of the ball. That's how you get put out in the first round. That's how you get put out in the first weekend. And realistically, that's how you're going to get put out if you continue to play that way in your first game of the SEC tournament because right now a double bye is looking like it's out of the question. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, like, like we talked about uh, about a week ago, think about some of these guys that we have on the team. And, you know, I'll bring this up again, the Julian Phillips, Josiah Jordan-James, and even Kennedy Chandler to an extent last year, and even Jaden and Keon, you know, two years ago. Let them go play for a Nate Oates. Let them go play for a Bruce Pearl. Let them go play for maybe a Calipari or a Bill Self. And, and to me, I feel like they would be so much better in those programs on the offensive end of the floor. And, like, everybody talks about Brandon Miller, Alabama. We don't know if Julian Phillips could be a Brandon Miller, Alabama, because he doesn't get the opportunity to do that in our offense. What if Julian Phillips goes to Alabama and he's the, he's Brandon Miller? Kind of like with uh, in NASCAR, you know, Ty Gibbs, you know, he might even be a better driver than Austin, but he's never been given the same chances that Austin's been given. Right. right. You know, so I just I, I feel like 
that is just where this program is. It's 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 kind of peaked on the offensive side of the floor. It, you know, it, I feel like it peaked with Grant Admiral's last team. We've we've peaked on that end of the floor, and there's been no changes. And that, you know, Nate said it great earlier today. Usually, when you go into an off season, you look at what your roster is and who do we have, and then great coaches will say, okay. This is what we have. This is what our players do great. Let's, you know, fix our, our, our philosophy around what we do great. And, if, and, and to me, Rick doesn't do that. He's, he, he is, this is my philosophy, and no matter what we have on this roster, this is what we're going to do. And it, it shouldn't be that way. To me, you can kind of change what you do, you know, bits and pieces of your offense. You don't have to do a wholesale philosophy change, but you can implement more things and do different things depending on what your on what your roster is. And last year's roster and this year's roster is all about guard play. And once again, he's still just trying to feed the post, feed the post, feed the post. And we just don't have anybody down that deserves to get the basketball to to make this offense go through. No, we don't have it at all. Jordan, we appreciate the phone call, man. We got to run. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More fan run radio on the way. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio, Russell Westbrook headed back to L.A., but not to the Lakers. He will be playing for the Clippers. Can't wait, can't wait for him to tank their season. And then... It's good. We good? Yep. It's like, what? It's like half a second of that song left. Smooth like butter, man. Tennessee basketball is not smooth like butter. Criminal undercover. Um, who else today? Patrick Pat Beverly. Bev. Yeah, Pat Bev with the Bulls. They, uh, I'll read you uh, what a source said on Twitter about this. Let me find it. So apparently Pat Bev wanted to bring ferocity to the, to the court and to the locker room. Oh <laughs> hey, don't mess with Pat Bev. He's for real, man. Oh, man. Says Bulls want Beverly to bring some ferocity to the court and locker room, and now bring back the guard of a John Marshall High School, home to Chicago. Yep. <laughs> and Myers Leonard signed a ten-day hey! deal after being out of the uh, NBA for two years. What does they call him? Anti Simi Myers. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, that's about as all that's going on in the NBA. And he had All Star Weekend. Yeah, it was pretty mid. Yeah. Mac McClung. So the skills challenge. Grew up if, in the Tri Cities. Won in the dunk contest. I had no idea. His I looked up Gate City since so like an hour and fifteen from here. Yeah, I didn't know he was. I didn't know that either. And that, the yeah. population of the town was like two thousand people. Oh yeah. And we didn't we tell him we didn't have room for him when he yes. transferred from Georgetown. Yes. There you go. There you go. There great, you go. great coaching decision there. Yep. There it is. Uh, skills challenge. Uh, the team jazz. I don't even. That. I didn't watch they, that. I didn't, wa- I didn't watch it. All they were doing basically was uh, some shooting, passing, and whatever the hell else they were doing. It was a waste of time. Three point contest was uh, a setup. A setup basically. Whoever goes first loses. So in this case, Jason Tatum. Yes. And then they let Halliburton go second. I think. Yeah, Halliburton yeah, was Halliburton, second. Yeah. And he scored 30, but then they didn't let him shoot. For, he didn't shoot for another, like, 15 minutes, so yep. he was cold as ice. 
and they let Dame go like last, and then let him go first. So it was a setup. And then you have a dunk contest where Jericho sims to the same dunk twice. Yep, and then gets up on a post car and reads fifty, <laughs> where half it's uh, torn already. Yeah, uh, that might Jericho sims might be the worst dunk contest since the guy did the reverse layup in nineteen ninety six. He deserves to walk back to New York for that. <laughs> yep. Uh, Trey Murphy, uh, pretty good dunks. Uh, They're okay. Kenya Martin was pretty mid. Um, oh, did you know that was a 3D printed yeah, basketball? Yeah, I, I did not today. know that. Yep. Uh, and then what? Matt, yeah. It was the, pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know was. what it was. They didn't explain on the broadcast what it was. Please, please pull it up on the television. I'm the most NBA casual probably this of all off time. off my screen. Nah, I like this. We've got a great YouTube channel going behind Go all the way back, like. <laughs> no, get, get it off of all this it was, screen. All it was was like uh, it was like a black basketball. It's just 3D printed, and then uh, uh, Matt McClung won it. Um, so what happened to the basketball? Did it just I, I don't nothing? Know. I think it was just a 3D printed basketball. His I dad mean, threw it off the glass, yeah, and he it about dunked as, it. It's about as impressive as Cole Anthony dunking in Tim's last year. Hmm. And then you get to the All Star game, and you might as well. That might I don't know. What's just more of a snooze fest? Jaguars versus Colts or that game? Jaguars or Colts. Or the All-Star game. I don't know. They're both pretty bad. I mean, and people like to say that in the 90s, the All-Star game was more competitive. And when I watched three minutes of an All-Star game in the 90s, you could very much tell those guys were actually giving effort. There's an old Kobe clip I saw oh, last night. Saw it today. Yeah, and he was like, you know, he said this back in like 2019, right, right before he died. But he was like, you need to make the – all strike. They need to make it more competitive because guys are just out there. They're worried about not getting injured. Open layups, open dunks. There's no edge to it at all. You need, it needs to go back to where the winner of the game. Just go back to East versus West. Don't make this too complicated. And whoever wins it gets home, home court, court advantage. Jalen Jackson got pick last, like he should be. Deserved. Yep. It's a fraud. Yep. Should have been an all star. Yeah. Don't don't they do that for MLB? Yeah, whoever wins the NBA MLB All Star game gets home field home advantage, field advantage yeah. in the World Series. Correct, I think. Yeah, it, was. Hey, it used to be like that. Get this off my screen. <laughs> I'm just waiting to break so I can uh, listen to it. It's pretty entertaining. So oh, we're gonna man. wait three minutes and then I'll get it off the screen. My goodness, get me Daniel. I got. You. I want to talk to Daniel. I like Daniel. What's up, Daniel? How y'all doing, Steven? What's up, buddy? Wish. Let's talk about it. Let's talk. This gentleman a couple callers ago was spot on about Rick Barnes and his offense. I was thinking it as he was saying it. It was almost like it was it was telepathic. Our powers were, were combining to form one solid uh, concept. And some that explanation of Rick Barnes' lack of offense is because he don't have a post player. And that's what you have to have in his offense. And he don't have Grant Williams. And that's why this offense don't work is because – he wants Olivier Cumwell to be that guy, and that dude ain't going to be that guy, ain't never going to be that guy, and he needs to go ahead and go on. Well, and what have I said this entire season, Daniel? We don't have a dominant big man. And no. it's finally coming to light. Haven't had one in since 2019. Yeah, when Colin well, Grant left. Just like that guy said, I mean, when you went to the when you went to the transfer portal, get EJ Anasicki, you tried to you tried to patchwork it for a couple years, and you thought Kumwah was going to be that guy. You were grooming him to be that guy, and the dude is a guard. He wants to shoot threes, and that is not what Rick Barnes wants. Um, and that and and that's the crux of this whole deal. And you can even go back to 
looking about this offense, what it was going to be like when the Yuri Collins thing fell apart. When Rick Barnes, when that fell apart, they didn't have a backup plan for a point guard. And he, whether or not B.J. Edwards is ready is because Rick Barnes probably didn't like him to a certain degree in the in the initial summer and the fall with leading up to camp because Rick Barnes has a track record of, of when he don't like somebody he's kind of out on them or he or he's like they need to develop Justin Powell I, listen I, I'm not listen there's a lot of Rick Barnes has a lot of explaining to do because he, he is the one that gets paid five million dollars a year to coach basketball but we have been in a lot worse shape without Rick Barnes. I'll say this much: I ain't, I ain't out. I, I'm not throwing throwing him out because we've been in a lot of worse shape. But he's close to the age of retirement. He he really is. How much longer he ha- we he has? I don't know. But I I just I, I think ride him off into the sunset, if you will. Um, I don't. I, I just I don't know. I just I don't. There, Buzzball was enough for me, to, I, and I ain't going back there. And as much as I like Donnie Dindle, I ain't going back there either. Absolutely not. Daniel, we appreciate the phone call, buddy. We got to run. Stay with us. Overtime continues. Hour number two coming up right here on Fan Run Radio.